Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. preaching in a church in northeast Texas uh, many years ago, and uh, uh, I'll tell you that story in a minute. First of all, I just want to tell you that this, this is my lovely wife, Sharon. Sharon, Sharon to, to at least wave, nothing else. Uh, we have been married for 110 years. <laughs> uh, really? Uh, she's been married to me 55. I've been married to her 55. Now, tell me, doesn't simple mathematics tell you we've been married 110 years? Oh, Lord, we got married at a young age. She was 12, I was 15. (laughs) Oh, boy. But uh, I was preaching in this little church, and um, before the church service started, they had this men's group, kind of a men's Sunday school class. And uh, so I just kind of wandered in there and sat down and uh, didn't, didn't even introduce myself because the class had already started. And uh, there's about six or eight men in there, and they one of them at that present at the time was presently the age I am now. So this was several years ago, and uh, right, in, right in the middle of the Sunday school class, right in the middle of where the guy was talking, he leaned over the table. I mean, he, now this guy's large and in charge. <laughs> he he is Mr. Kingpin. You could tell that. He leaned over and looked at me. He said, "You preaching today?" Yeah. Now understand, this, this accent you hear is totally East Texas. <laughs> and this is where I was. You preaching today? I said, yes, sir. He said, you aware of the 12 o'clock rule? <laughs> I mean, just like that. In the middle of the Sunday school class, all the other guys were going. <laughs> I told him, I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I, I'm aware of it. He said, okay. And then he went on back listening to the Sunday school lesson. Well, when I was introduced by my brother-in-law, who happened to be the pastor of the church, uh, I stood up and I told him about my experience in Sunday school. I said, I, I was asked if I was aware of the 12 o'clock rule. And I told him, I said, I said, yes, I am. I said, I've never preached till midnight before, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I asked my brother-in-law later if I got him in any trouble. He said, no, he thought it was funny and that guy needed to hear that. <laughs> Well, you know my name. Uh, my wife and I have been married, like I said, 55 years. We have four children. Our oldest child is Dawn. Hi, Dawn. And she <laughs> claims in every newsletter and every text that I'm your favorite. And uh, uh, she is at the moment. <laughs> we have four children, 11 grandchildren, and one great-grandson. And there uh, are all, few of them are on the outer fringes, but they're coming in. But the rest of my children serve the Lord. And I, we're, that's a great heritage the Lord has given us just from faithfully serving him. We've been in ministry for probably about 45 years. Uh, we've traveled to, uh, we pastored for 26. And then we traveled to 14 different countries uh, teaching and preaching uh, to the pastors and the missionaries who were teaching indigenous pastors and church leaders the principles and the functions and the responsibilities of the fivefold ministry gifts you find in Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, which are gifts that Jesus has given to the church for the maturing of the saints. 
And that's what your pastor's doing here, is he's helping to grow you up to do the work of the Lord. And um, I know that uh, we've been uh, assigned the, uh, the subject of boundless, uh, and that is a that just identifies God in, in many of his attributes. He's boundless in all that he is. And we go to the book of Hosea, which is our, our scripture references uh, for this morning. And uh, God does something rather unusual, but you know, God can do that if he wants to, without our permission. He can act in the way he wants to act in order to bring a message to his people and it's almost like you have somebody in your face saying, now, you got it this time? Okay, don't forget. It's kind of like, okay, now go on and go, go do what I told you to do. Uh, but for years, all through the Old Testament, we see where uh, the people of Israel discontinuously defied God. Uh, isn't it amazing? I mean, here are people that actually saw the Red Sea part. I mean, you can't do that by yourself. Not even with our modern technology. I don't think we can yet. There might be some secret weapon I'm not aware of. But, but in, a, in a moment, God just parted the Red Sea. And God caused manna to come out of heaven. God was with them every night. He was there as a whirlwind of fire to keep the people warm and, and a cloud by day to keep them cool. And he was speaking to them. And, and yet they still complained and griped about everything. And finally they said, we're tired of eating this old manna. Give us some meat. God says, you want meat? I'll give you meat that comes out to your nose. And he literally did. He sent so many birds in there for them to eat. They were up to the knees, birds. And still, when the meat was between their teeth, what did they do? Is this all you can do? Isn't that amazing? I mean, even today with God moving the way he is in his church, we still either want to see more or say, Ah, do I really believe this? Is this really God? And God's trying to reveal himself in his boundless attributes of who he is. And we see this throughout the whole book of Hosea. Amazing. I mean, listen to Hosea 1-2. He said, go take yourself a wife of harlotry. Go marry an adulteress. <laughs> Can I get a witness on that, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and with, with children of adultery. For the land has committed great adultery or harlotry by departing from the Lord. Now, I believe the Old Testament tells us everything or leads us into everything we see lived out in the New Testament. It's a foreshadow. It tells us of things that are happening, things that are going on, things that, that we need to be aware of. So, uh, I mean... Uh, I like meditating in the Word of God. I love reading the Word of God. Uh, I, I think we should, you know, I devised a plan about reading the Word of God. And you know, if you read eight chapters a day, every day, you can read through the Bible twice in one year. You divide all the verses, uh, all the verses in the Bible uh, that, that are in there and divide them by 365 and you come up with a pretty good plan. So I've read through the Bible this year. I've read through the New Testament going on the third time and Psalms the fourth time. It's easy. It really is. And you start knowing God and you begin seeing a shadow of everything through the Old Testament being carried over to the New Testament and how Jesus came uh, as God sent him as his only son and fulfilled what the Father called him to do. 
I love the word of God. And I love what he says when he has to come down to his people and show them by illustration, this is what I'm trying to show you and tell you. And he does it through, the, through Hosea. And he says in chapter 2, verse 23, he said, I will plant her for myself in the land. God's going to do that. He said, and I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will show my love to them, to her. I will say to those called, not my people, that you're my people. And they will say, you're my God. Hallelujah. You see, God is bringing into a relationship with man here by this illustration of, of having a man to marry an adulteress. And so he can use this to show, okay, here, here you are. I'm your God. I've called you to worship me, yet you keep committing adultery against me. Now, how do we do that, God? By having other gods before you. I, I left one of my illustrations. I gave it to my wife. I was going to show you one of the gods of the world. Everybody in here has got a God of the world. Did you know that? It, it, I mean, uh, I know some of you saying, well, I'm reading the Bible right now. Click, 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 click. You, know, you, know, that, you know, that's become a God in the hands of so many people. Do you know that people are giving their lives for that God? They are. They're running into the back of other vehicles and killing themselves. They're falling off their motorcycles while they're trying to send a text. Hey, you think I'm kidding? I mean, it's become a God to them. I've got, I've got to have this thing in front of me before I can do anything. And uh, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I love the cell phone. I, I've got one. I, I have to discipline myself, you know, to not pick it up all the time and look at it. But it's distracting me. I mean, I, I don't need to go to Facebook as often as I do. And if somebody sends me a text message, you know, I, I, I'm not going to stop in the middle of the interstate and, and start trying to read my text message. Uh, but there's distractions. He said the gods of this world are here to distract us from the purpose and the call of God that he has raised us up to do, who he's called us to be, and where he wants us to function in the body of Christ. So we're seeing a likeness here. We're seeing uh, almost like a similitude that's being put together in the book of Hosea that relates directly to the church and God calling his people back for something that is about to take place on this earth that if we're not careful, it'll pass us by. Uh, I have been in this charismatic, full gospel, uh, Pentecostal movement, if you want to call it that, since 1971. Uh, we were in the Methodist church before uh, God kind of rung our bell. See, I, I, I grew up in uh, southeast Texas on my grandfather's cattle ranch. And uh, so I, I learned a lot of them. What, my, my religion when we got married was American heathenism. That was my religion, and my wife was from the city, and I was from the country, and you talk about a cold front meeting a warm front. Uh, it, it was like she said, I didn't know I married a cowboy, and so, uh, but, you know, God had another plan, and in the midst of his plan, he called us out of darkness and into light, so we both got born again, I mean really born again, and filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Ghost, receiving the gifts of the Spirit in 1971, and it's been, uh, it's been glorious ever since. So let me tell you, you know, every day that you walk with God is, is a day that you can live your life to the, to the utmost of what God called you to be, who he called you to be. And so don't let the distractions of this world call you away or, or lure you away like the people of Israel were lured away time after time after time. Uh, giving, giving themselves over to the gods of the world rather than the God of Israel. 
And right now, God's clarion call to the body of Christ is to get ready. Make yourself ready. Uh, I, I really sense that strongly, that God's doing something strong here, Pastor Matt, right here in this church. Uh, this is not just some place to come and get entertained, sing a few songs, and say, hot dog, I did my, I did my duty. I did, let me check this one off the list. No, God has sent you here to be discipled. He sent you here to grow you up. He sent you here to send you out. And some will stay, some will be here, and some will be training, and some will be helping and sending others out. But to be going out into the world that right now is covered with darkness, uh, we have a lot of spiritual battles in front of us. I love this thing that was it the, the warrior, uh, the heart of the warrior. Boy, that is, uh, that is something that if you're related to the military, which I'm sure most of you are, understand what a warrior is. Well, there's also warriors in the kingdom of God. Because we fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in, in heavenly places. But I tell you what, Jesus came that, that we might have life and life abundantly. We know our enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to bring life. And life more abundantly. As if, as if, if life wasn't enough, it's his death, burial, and resurrection weren't enough for us. He said, I'm not only going to do it, I'm going to do it abundantly. You have an abundance. I think there's an abundance that's available to us that we're not tapping into. That we can keep in our eyes and our focus on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And that's, got, that's what God's calling us through this book here. Take your eyes off the world. Put your, put your heart and your eyes on me. Serve me. Follow me. Listen to me. But I think, you know, the one thing is I combed through this whole book several times. I've read it three or four times already this year. And, uh, you know, he said, book of Hosea. And I said, you got to be kidding. You know, <laughs> I went back in there and I said, hey, hallelujah. You know, this is, this is really good. It, is God, it, God is revealing his boundless attributes of who he is. You know, his faithfulness is revealed through the book of Hosea. And you know that we can become unfaithful, but God can't because he'd have to deny himself. Because he is faithful. It, it, God's boundless grace I mean, look at the grace that God's given the people of Israel to come to a point like this, to have a man marry an, an adulteress and have children by her, and, and for God to reveal his grace, his salvation, his desire for us to walk in fellowship and in unity with him. And we see this lived out through the life of Hosea and throughout the whole book of Hosea as we read it. But, but God has, son, has one great attribute here that seems to be uh, dominant in every area uh, of the scriptures, and that's, that's his boundless love. I used to preach a lot on, on uh, love, and that's why I heard Pastor Matt talking about loving the people, loving you. Now, that's, that's a gift of God that has been planted in his heart and in the hearts of people all over the world to love one another, to love God, and to, you know, give themselves over to others, to let others have the benefit of everything that's going on around them. And, and we take the back seat. That's what love does, is love promotes other people, you know, pushes other people in the front, does good, and, and wants to live uh, a life of righteousness before God. But when you look at the love of God, how, how do you describe it? How do you explain it? You know, I, I tried this one time when I was preaching this message. I said, I asked the question, I said, does God have love? I said, just let that, let that sink in a little bit. Does God have love? And I said, well, let me ask you this question. Does, does the ocean have water? And of course, everybody said, well, yeah, yeah, sure it does. No, it doesn't. The ocean is water. 
If you take away the water, what have you got? You've got barrenness, nothing. So you see, God doesn't just have love. God is love. That's who he is. And he's expressing that to us through these verses of Scripture we read and through this lifestyle of Hosea as we read through it and we see that God's boundless love is there for the people of Israel just like it is for you and me here today. Uh, he lived that out in the Old Testament, you know. I mean, and brought it to life in the New Testament. And one of our favorite verses of Scripture that's given to us right off the bat, the book of John, is John three sixteen, For God so what? Loved. So God so loved the world. Now, we may have a, a difficult time. You know, God loves people that we don't have anything to do with. And quite honestly, you know, we think of all the rabble-rousers that are making trouble across the earth, and we think, who do they think they are, you know? But God loves these people. It's hard for us to embrace that, that God loves them. God has, God has a desire. He doesn't desire for men to, to perish, but for all men to come into the kingdom of God to be saved, to be healed, to be delivered, to be set free, and to come to know him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's God's heart. And he, it's like you look at this and you say, well, it looks like God will do anything to try to prove that to me. And he did. He gave his only begotten son. Who would do that? Who in the natural would think of doing something like that? I'm going to give my son so this church can live. God said he gave his only begotten son that he, whosoever believes on him would not perish but have what? Well, that's like, why? Because he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him it might be saved. See, the heart of God is being revealed today to us as a heart of love. And, and he raised up disciples in the New Testament that we read about, especially John. Uh, John was known as a disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, it didn't quite start out that way with John. <laughs> uh, you know, James and John were kind of rabble-rousers. In fact, Jesus gave them a nickname, called them the Sons of Thunder. They weren't exactly, you know, the model church member to start with there. And they were in Samaria going that way, and the Samaritans wouldn't let them come through their village. And so what did James and John do? They say, Lord, shall we call down fire upon them? <laughs> Don't tell me you haven't felt that way. And after 26 years of pastoring, I felt that way about some people. Lord, you call fire down. <laughs> God always said no. <laughs> he said no. Not that kind of fire anyway. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus turned around and rebuked them. And it changed the heart of John. And John became known as a disciple whom Jesus loved. And he began to walk in that love. So much so that when he was, when Jesus was crucified, John was a disciple that was there at the cross with it all. You know why? John writes about it again in 3 John when he said that perfect love casts out all fear. He wasn't afraid to be there at the foot of the cross with Jesus, no matter what people said or did. And see, that's what love will do. That love will take you places where you never intended to go because it's strong enough to keep you. It's strong enough to cover you. And it's strong enough to pierce the greatest of armors of people that have their armor up uh, to try to shield off the things of God. But love will pierce right through it. You know, brings up the question. And John, uh, Jesus answers it in John uh, 13, 35, I think is the word is, yeah. 
He said, this, by this shall all the world know that you're my disciples. By your bumper stickers. <laughs> no, let's see. By your tattoos. <laughs> Nothing against tattoos now. <laughs> but I've seen a lot of them in my part of the country. In fact, I'm still a member of the Christian Motorcycle Association that, that we used to have. Just hundreds of bikers come to our church every year and would bless the bikes and bless the people. We had gang members coming into our church. Uh, that, that opens up a whole new plethora of stories. But I've got to tell this one. <laughs> you know, I had these two gang members that walked in. They were with a, a motorcycle club uh, called the Pistoleros. And uh, they walk in there and I'm in the hallway by myself, walking this way, and they're coming right at me. And they said, so, preacher, you don't have a motorcycle. I said, nope, I got a four-wheeler. <laughs> and I brought my four-wheeler to be blessed. They said, so, okay. He said, you know, if you're going to be a biker, so that means you either got to have a lot of hair or no hair. You either got to be shaved or you got to have a lot of hair. And he said, you about in between. And so he pulls out a knife and goes, Pluck. So we can take care of that right away. <laughs> they were going to shave my head. You know? I told them, I said, I'm not that interested in being a part of a motorcycle club. You know? And they just laughed. They thought it was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> but, you know, I think it was one of them that was in that gang. Uh, I heard about him. He got in a little bit of trouble in a bar room a few weeks later. Pulled a pistol out and shot at a guy and missed him grabbed his pistol, put it in his belt, took off on his motorcycle, ran a red light, car hit him, and he lost his leg. And uh, so I went to the hospital to see him and saw that man so broken, led him to Jesus. Phew. And I'm so thankful for that ministry, uh, shedding the, the, the love of Jesus Christ every place they go to bring sinners out of darkness into the kingdom of light. But by this shall the world know that we're the disciples of Jesus Christ is by our love for one another. Not necessarily our love for God, our love for church, which I love God and I love church, but it's our love for one another, the church, the kingdom of God, the brothers and sisters of the Lord. But God's love was so unwavering, and he continued to show it continuously all the way through the book of Hosea. In Hosea 14, it says, O Israel, return to the Lord your God. And I believe there's a call going on right now to the body of Christ is saying, oh, body of Christ, return to the Lord your God. You know, let, let's stop doing church and let's start being church. Let's start reading through the scriptures to see what is my responsibility, what is my calling, what is my gift, and God show me. And if you need help with that, I know the pastor will be more than happy to help you. I'm giving you a little more work to do there, Pastor Matthew. Um, <laughs> For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. He said, take, take uh, words with you. That means your, your confessions. Take your confessions and return to the Lord and say to him, take away my iniquity. I'm sure that many of you did that this morning before you had communion. I hope you did. If you haven't, there's still time. You can bow your head before God any place you are, anytime. And say, oh God, have mercy on me and take away my iniquity. Cleanse me. Bring me into your kingdom. And God will do it. That's what he's waiting for. Say to him, take away my iniquity. Receive us graciously. For we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. Government can't save you. 
Uh, man can't save you, but God can. This is where the eyes begin to open. Assyria can't save us. We will not ride on horses, uh, nor will we say anymore to the work of our hands, you are our gods. For in you, the fatherless find mercy. You know, God's mercy triumphs over judgment. It does. You know, God's mercies are new every morning. Shows us he's a creative God, still creating. You know, I don't have mercy for yesterday or for tomorrow, but I've got it for today. And I've got the grace of God that is the power of God within me to do what's right and the desire to do it and the power to do it altogether. God's grace is sufficient for all of my needs. God responds this way, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely with no bounds, with no bounds. God loves you. He's boundless in his love for you. He's boundless in his love for the world. He's boundless in his love for his church. And he's calling us. He's calling to our hearts. Get ready for the coming of the Lord. Uh, there's a verse of scripture. and uh, I don't have time to go to all these. In fact, I'm probably out of time. Am I out of time? No, not time. I got, I got a couple more minutes here. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm doing this right. Uh, but it's a verse of scripture found in Luke chapter 22 when his disciples ask him, Lord, what's it going to be like at, at your return? What's it going to be like when you come back? And he takes them to 2019. Fast forward, 2019, and begins describing what all's going on in the world that we see today. And he said, but when you see all of these things, and here's the instruction to the church. There's two instructions he gives us in the scriptures to, for, for these last days. Here's the instruction. And he says, lift up your head and look up. And I thought that was kind of funny. I said, why would the Lord tell us that twice in one sentence? Until I looked it up, and the word lift up your head in the Greek is anakepto. You know what that means? It means be elated. What? Storms, earthquakes, political scandals, duh, murder, death, blood. be elated when you see all of these things? He said, yes, because your redemption is drawing near. Look up. Lift up your head and look up. Lift up the hands that hang down. Lift up the voices now still and worship God. And look what, he, look what he's doing. Look what he's saying. Uh, let me find my verse of scripture so I can say it correctly <laughs> I want to say this right uh, in Matthew 24 verses 9 through 12 he says then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you doesn't that sound exciting <laughs> Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation but what else did he say be of good cheer I see that doesn't make any more sense than marrying an, an adulteress it, it just God doesn't make sense all the time. He calls us to do things to walk by faith that we don't understand. We just believe God. His word says to do it, so I'm going to do it. And if I fail under my own strength and I go back, repent, I'm going to go try to do it again, as God says to do it. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Doesn't that sound thrilling? Can't wait. <laughs> And then many will be offended. Now, he's talking about believers. 
talking not talk about us defending people with offending people with the gospel. We're talking about people, the believers are going to be offended by their reaction to us. How dare you? I'm a child of God, and you speak that way about me. Do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> they will be offended and will betray one another. I know that. I pastored 26 years. That, that wasn't supposed to be funny. And it's not meant as funny. I've seen too much of that in the body of Christ. I'm saying, God, how in the world are we even still existing with the way some people act in the church? But you know what? God's unconditional, God's boundless love is right there, right behind them, chasing them the whole way, calling them the whole time. He said that many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Been seeing that for a while now. And because lawlessness will abound. Everybody say lawlessness. lawlessness. What is lawlessness? There you go. That'll work. Just about any definition that comes up with something that's lawless. It will abound. And, the, and here's what surprised me when I studied this years ago. I'm going to say it this way. And the boundless love of many will grow cold. Because that word love in the scriptures is translated agape, not phileo. It's agape. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. He's talking about the things that are going on in this world now that are distracting us. What about this group? Oh, they're going to come chop me into pieces while I'm sleeping in my bed at night. Oh, what this, what this, you know. We're, read Psalm 91, grab the promises out of that and say, this not, that's not going to come against me. In Jesus' name, it's not coming against my household. God gave me a promise. And here it is. He gave me a whole bunch of them in Psalm 91. Read it. Read it every day and claim it for your house, for your family. But, but he's given a warning here that if we, if we continuously bury ourselves in the thoughts of what's going on in the world and begin to fret over it and begin to get defensive about it or become offended by it, our love can begin to wax cold. It begins to get cold. We become indifferent. And the next thing we do, we're saying, what's the use? What good is church doing? Why do I need to be there? What good does my giving to the church do? What good does my gift do anymore? And that's where the enemies come to kill, steal, and destroy, is to distract the church, distract you and me away from the calling and the purpose of God. And that's to serve him with all of our heart. To love him with all of our heart. God's clarion call to the nation of Israel still exists. He who watches over Israel doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. And I promise you, those who are cursing Israel, they have a curse on them. Because God's word says so. And those who bless it, they have a blessing. Because God loves his people. He loves his church. And he's calling us into his kingdom, into a deeper relationship with himself. Don't let your... Love, grow cold. Stoke the fires by getting into his word. Look, I, I've been serving the Lord for 45 years now. And, you know, I, I didn't start off with a Grand Slam home run. I have had a lot of failures, but I've had a lot of redemptions along the way, too. You know, I, I really believe that, that uh, I, I call my failures redemptive failures. <laughs> It's just like the arguments with my wife. We call them intense fellowship. 
<laughs> we don't call them arguments. Well, we had intense fellowship this morning. <laughs> but sometimes I have intense fellowship with God. And uh, it, it, it takes a long time to build up to what, uh, to what I feel I've got now in my relationship with God. I've had some failures. I've had some backslidings. I've had some moments where I have walked away from the love. But now God has, over the years, he continued to draw me like he's drawing Israel as he opens the eyes of the people of God that they are in need of repentance. He calls me back to that altar continuously, continuously, until I find there's more comfort there than there is out there. And over a period of years, I've been able to cultivate that relationship with God that I know he wants everyone in this room to have. To wake up in the morning and to be there before the Lord, saying, here I am, God. And starting my day new and afresh, the same as I do every day, in Psalm 91, for one. And the other is confessing who he is. You know, he is the Father. God, you're my Father. You're my Heavenly Father. And Jesus, you're the Son of God. And Jesus, you baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, you've come to quicken this mortal body. Hey, do you know that? If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, it'll quicken your flesh and blood body. It will. And so he's drawing us into that deeper, deeper relationship with him through the power of his Spirit, through the presence of his Spirit that's revealed through the Word of God. One last little story here. I'll close in prayer and then Pastor Matthew have the microphone back. And he's over there saying, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Best message I ever slept through, you know. <laughs> uh, I had something jokingly say one time. You know, he said, no, Pastor, what your illustrations need is more sermon. <laughs> Love conquers. It conquers. And you know, in him, we've been made more than conquerors. You realize that he conquered on the cross. There's a story about this boxer that went into the arena for the World Heavyship Boxing Championship match. And he fought long and hard, but he won that fight. And when it was all over with, they presented him a check for $9 million. I conquered. I conquered. His wife looked over at it, snatched it out of his hand, put it in her purse, and said, and I'm more than a conqueror. <laughs> See? Jesus did it on the cross for you and me. He conquered. But guess what? We're more than conquerors. Amen. If we can let the Spirit of God wake us up to that who we are, what we have living in us, and that the Spirit of God quicken this mortal body. I mean, I've got, to, I've got to quit, and I've got to. But I'm telling you, since I've been in Pensacola, God has delivered me, literally, literally delivered me three times from death. I've had three near-death experiences over the past five years, four years. One of them was when I found out that my heart was only pumping 20%. And... Uh, <laughs> And the doctor said, well, we need to get you out of the danger zone. And my wife said, what's that? He said, sudden death. 
I said, can you be just a little more tactful with that? <laughs> he said, there's no other way to put it. And you know, by the grace of God, I'm now pumping 50%. Amen. Glory to God. My wife said, don't get on the ladder, don't get on the ladder, don't get on the ladder, don't get on the ladder. I said, okay, 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 okay. So she said, I'm going shopping. I said, okay. So I got on the ladder. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm falling 12 feet up. And land on the back, on that flat on my back, bruised my insides, broke my heart, dislocated my fingers, and I'm saying, Oh God, forgive me for not hearing my wife. <laughs> and God delivered me. And then just over a year ago, uh, I won't get into the details, but I had what they call the worst gallbladder they've ever seen. And it got into my bloodstream and caused E. coli virus. So I was out of it for about six days. And they said, we're pulling you back from the edge of death. So you see, God, God has a way of, of tricking death when it's not your time. If you put your hands in the Lord, he will deliver you. He will bless you. If you don't know the Lord today as your savior, you don't know what you're missing. I mean, I know I lived as a heathen all the way up to the time I got married and a little bit after that. I mean, I, I'm not going to give you my testimony now, but it's not very nice. I don't like to brag about all that stuff. But, you know, when God saved me, it was instantaneously. I instantaneously. I mean, I promise you, I went from one day to the next. I went from two and a half packs of cigarettes one day to nothing the next. From six to eight bottles of beer a day to nothing the next. <laughs> oh, Lord. He's so good. You put your trust in him. His power will set you free. Amen. Ask Jesus in your heart today if you haven't yet. He'll save you. He, he, he's standing there with his arms wide open saying, Come on, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you a rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy, my load is light. Nothing like being equally yoked with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.